0: Hey, Welcome to the BK Show Podcast. This is episode number 29 and today I am joined by my good friend Corey Warren. Corey is affectionately known around the internet as Lean Green Dad. You can find him at leangreendad.com. He also runs a marketing agency called C4 Social where he runs ads and and different types of marketing for some of the brands you may have heard on this podcast as well as uh, quite a few other brands as well. Corey's story is super interesting, right? To go from Broadway to entrepreneurship is a path I don't think many people have taken. And so to hear his story was fantastic. And this conversation goes everywhere. This was one of the more fun podcasts I think I've done. Uh, We're all over the place from parenting to baseball cards from Broadway uh to all kinds of other places so i I really hope you enjoy this meandering episode uh i know i had a smile on my face the entire time editing this i think this is one of my new favorite shows so uh hope you enjoy it i would love any feedback you have and with uh with that let's welcome to the show cory warren cory warren welcome to the show buddy how you doing i'm awesome how are you i'm Super happy, uh, you know. I just I told you right before the call. I just found out this morning I'm having a boy, uh, which put me in a great mood. I walked in the door from from my little treadmill walk and and literally on the phone with the lady who was calling to tell us the results. So uh, yeah, I'm in a good mood. I'm having a boy, man. Unbelievable. You know, this it's been it's I've had I've had
1: two adopted one, and each time it's special. Each time it's special, and whether you find out or you don't find out, it's always fun. And then, then there's the whole birth and everything, which can be fun or can be scary. But either way, you know you have something exciting coming. So, <laughs> I'm happy for you, man. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, it's I've, I've had stepkids for you know, three, four years now, uh, it, but I, you know, hopped in at like two, two and a half, right? Uh, so I don't, I don't know what those first two are like. Uh, my brother just had a couple kids in the last couple of years, so I've seen it. It's nice to hand that baby back when I get to walk out the door. So we'll see if I'm ready for that level of. Uh, interruptions in my life, I guess. Are you open to advice? Do you want advice? Yeah, hundred percent.
1: So here's the, here's the real advice that I have as far as like you personally. Okay. So like whatever shape you're in, when the baby is born, it will only go down from there for the next six to eight months. So just know that whatever physical shape you're in, whether it be like, oh, I've got a little bit too much of a gut or like, man, I wish I was a little stronger here. I wish this was a little tighter. It's just not possible for six to eight months because you're not going to be sleeping, right? So your cortisol levels are going to be through the roof and you just have to give yourself to this little person. You have to help this little person survive. You have to do everything for them. And so unfortunately, the whole like, mask thing you know like with the with the airplane put your oxygen mask on first before you help someone else i don't know if that applies it it applies at a very
0: small level when you have a brand new baby see i'm but i'm really hoping the wife is uh gonna step up more than me i look i i, I don't think it's gonna be a 50 50 thing maybe in the beginning i'm gonna have to help a lot more uh but i do hope to give more than i think my brain is imagining i have to give at this moment um but yeah, I don't know the the health thing. I guess I'm on the right track. My coach, Elliot Rowe, he was on episode uh, number five, I believe. Yes. I had to send him a photo every morning and every night for the workouts, and I've had to do this for months now. Um, we've recently done some work on on some inner beliefs and, and BS that you know gets in my way sometimes when I'm when I'm trying to get healthy. And so yeah, I think 2021 is going to be the the year of health for me anyway. So hopefully before my birthday, which is the same day, hopefully. My son's gonna be born. Um, uh, like you know, I've got seven months to get going here, of of uh, or six months to get into better shape. Because you're right, it's gonna be a lot of waking up in the middle of the night, which is not something I'm very good at. Uh, hopefully I'm not too ornery. Uh, but I don't my know. wife and I, my wife and I are horrible. We
1: will, we we hate waking up in the middle of the night, and so it'll be like, good night, sweetheart. Good night. Love you. Love you. And then all of a sudden someone wakes up and's it's like, it's not me. It's your turn. It's your, t- I'm not getting out of bed. I hate you. Whatever. Yeah. You know? And like, we love each other so much. Like we were best friends for six years before we got married. We have been married for going on 15 years this year. And you know, uh, we like our sleep. And so that's <laughs> the bottom line. We just like sleeping. And so we, we did take turns though. I mean, 50, 50, she did not breastfeed. Um, you know, she tried and then, you know, uh, like most women, you know, they incorrectly feel like a failure because they can't breastfeed. But, um, I mean, one of the most popular blog posts I've ever written was advice to guys on how to help their wives breastfeed. And it was basically shut up and tell them how awesome they are constantly, you know, <laughs> I think that's and, advice all the time. Oh man. If I could only listen to that advice, right. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, it, it was a good, uh, it was a good blog post back in the day.
0: Well, I think, I mean, you've heard me talk, uh, I met you at George's mastermind. I talked how I separate businesses when I was certainly part of a lot more one day a week per business so that I could stay focused and not get distracted by others. I think I'm going to have to, you know, I still do the same now. Uh, Tuesday is my podcast day. I record all my podcasts that day, edit them. I don't do podcasts any other day of the week. Uh, and so I think there's going to be certain nights where it's just like, all right, you definitely have whatever these three nights i'll definitely have these three nights and and we'll you know we'll tag team the other one or or figure it out and just make sure i have the days i need to be you know air quote on like like podcast day make sure i can get in my sleep before then because i'm a guy who likes my sleep too you know i like i get nine every night and i I love it did you say nine hours i get nine every night it's the
1: greatest thing ever that's incredible and i'm proud of you because you're on the the rem cycle right i don't know if elliot helped you with that which by the way elliot Rowe is incredible yeah but um You know, nine hours, I'm usually a seven and a half guy, right? So I'll wake up seven and a half, uh, six, when I'm trying to hustle and like really get stuff done. If I have like a campaign launch or something like product launch or something like that. And then I will go to four and a half for extreme emergencies. Like I'm leaving for the airport and I haven't packed yet, which hasn't happened in a long time due to the current world state, you know, but, um, but that, yeah, four and a half is a danger zone. And a consistent six, three nights in a row, mm-mm, you're hurting, you're hurting.
0: But uh, sometimes you got to do it. You got to do what you got to do as a business owner, right? Yeah, anything below six. If I get to that, you know, that other hour and a half level, four and a half, I'm half, I'm I'm done. I, I'm just, I'm not me. I don't get anything done. And so it's just not, if I get nine and I get two things done that day, that's, yes. a, that's, a, that's a huge win. It is. Uh, you know, rather than, you know putting out 800 fires, just getting two things moving forward. I'll consider that a win. So I, I, I don't know. I, I sleep nine hours. I typically generally only work about five hours a day. And I don't know. That's, what's been working for me. That's perfect. Way to go. Well, I want to hear your story. So I met you, uh, a year ago. Is it, is it almost two? My, years ago? It might've been
1: longer. Yeah. yeah it might it have, have been longer. Because, I don't
0: know. Me too. You know what? It was two years ago. I met you at, at George Bryant's mastermind, much like, uh, many of the people on the show. George was also on the show. Um, it, it, you're an interesting guy. Heather asked me, Who's Corey this morning? She's like, Who are you interviewing? I'm like, Corey Warren. She's like, Who's that? I'm like, Well, it, he owns leangreendad.com. Uh, he runs a c4 social which is an agency um and she's like what's he like and i'm like he is the guy who's got more energy than you'll have all of this year in one day (laughs) She's like oh i know that guy and i'm like yeah that's the guy uh i don't know how to describe you and and i think i told you before the show i had a hard time pegging you um because you had so much energy but yet you were so composed all the time you you were very eloquent with your words if you will but you were just through the roof energy and i was like who are you and then You kind of told me your history, which is hopefully what we go through here, you know, telling your story, but uh, it it ties a lot of things together.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it all started in second grade, Ben, when I was cast as counterclaws, the evil Santa in my second grade Christmas show. And I know you said that a lot of people have spiels or they have their things that they do. I, I don't really, I don't really have one of those, but I can tell you that. I started off as the evil Santa counterclaws, and it was my first taste of being on stage, and I loved it. And so from second grade through college, I was a performer. I was an actor, and I loved it, and I still love it. And if you had asked me back in the day what I was going to be, I would have said, on Broadway. And, uh, you know... Once I got into the real world after being a kid and being told, you're so good, you're so good, right? And getting lead roles in elementary and middle school and high school and college, I went into the real world and I auditioned for a huge agency in New York and I put together a show for them. I was performing probably four feet away from them and I had monologues, I had solos, I had everything. And after I was done, they were like, thank you. That was really good. You you're awesome. The only thing is we have about 20 of you. I was like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah, you know, white guys that can sing and act really well and, you know, they can dance kind of sorta. Like, you're we we got you, but we really appreciate you showing up and we'll we'll be in touch." And at that point I was like, "Wow, I don't know, you know, if this is going to be long-term the thing that I want to do because I'm more than just like everybody else." Right? I'm me. And I want everything that I do to build on itself like a snowball effect. And so, as an actor, as a performer, if you are unable to handle constant rejection, you should not do it. Second, if you think you can do anything else and be happy in college, and by the way, I have a performance degree, they tell you do something else. If you can be happy doing anything else, do it. And so those things rang through my head and there was a ton of other things that I could do. I was an event planner, you know, I liked event planning in college. Um, I liked, you know, stage managing. I liked producing things. Um, And so I, I tried a couple other things and I found that I was as fulfilled, if not more fulfilled than I was being on the stage. And the really cool thing is I married an actress and I married an actress that not only is this the only thing that she will do, like she was born to do it. And she was raised on the road with her family in a traveling tour band. Like my wife is amazing on stage. And so it's really cool to have that, that marriage where I can understand where she's coming from. Uh, And I can talk to her about acting stuff and, and uh, you know, just really relate on another level because If you choose to be an actor, you choose to be a performer. A lot of people don't understand why someone would do that um, just because it is so hard. But I love it. I love being married to an actress. I understand actors, performers, and I think actors, performers, people that their job is to tell someone else's story, someone else being the writer, right? They're some of the best people in the world because they're so in touch with who they are. And they wear their emotions on their sleeve. And that's why they're able to cry at the, you know, just any second. Just, just burst into tears. Um, but they're also a little bit crazy.
0: So... So that's, that's it. <laughs> so you married an actress and gave up on your acting dream. Although, is, that, that seems like a recipe for resentment. No, I gave up on my, it wasn't
1: my dream. My dream was to be happy doing something passionate. And I mean, I wanted to be on Broadway and I still got to Broadway, but I got to Broadway in the general management side of things and was equally fulfilled. And so if I was going to stop performing, I needed to make sure that when I went to a show or you know, I saw someone else performing or whatever, I wouldn't have that resentment. And I'm telling you to this day, like, I don't, I don't have any desire to be on stage, um, performing. Um, I perform for my kids. I perform on my, you know, TikToks or whatever with my daughter. Like that's, that's my performing. And the truth is, is like every day I get to, um, just be consistently fulfilled with talking to whether it be clients or friends or. Whatever it is, I, I'm I'm super happy. And I think in the end, that's that's all we're all searching for, right? Is just to be happy. And uh I feel great about it. And I kind of live vicariously through my wife and I help her with her auditions because I was really I was so good at auditions, dude. Like I would just nail auditions, and a lot of actors they really have trouble tapping into what the producer director wants. And so, you know, you have to do cold reads, like you've never seen the script before, and they hand you the script and you have to read it and you have to nail it. And I I was good at that part. Um, My thing was, is like there were always dudes that were like significantly more attractive than me that were in my competitive range. And so I was always first right of refusal. They would always go with the super attractive, super sexy dude. And then I was like first right of refusal. So if they said no, it would be your job. Second, second most attractive guy, right? (laughs) And by the way, the dude that beat me out, he's famous today. I'm telling you right now, this dude, he's a big deal. Big deal. I love him too. And we're friends.
0: This is either amazing self-awareness or like a serious
1: flaw you have of
0: putting yourself Uh, down here.
1: I'm just just telling you the truth here, man. It's just what the agents say. This is, I'm telling you, this is the cutthroat type of business. Dude, I I mean- Wait, they're honest with you?
0: They tell you you're the second best looking guy in the room.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> like you, they would say you're more talented, but he's got the look. And I was like, well, what's the look? And they're like, well, he's just like blonde hair, blue eyes. Like he's what they want. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Dude, it is cutthroat out there. I'm telling you, you know, we're in the middle of COVID right now when we're recording this, right. It's still like growing and stuff. And I had to hire models for a t-shirt company that I'm working with for my agency. And the, the models, uh, were not exactly representative of what their headshots were because their headshots were pre COVID and they're not working. So they're probably not working out and they're probably not really watching what they're eating. They didn't fit into the shirt. I was like, Oh no. So I had to go find a new model and stuff, but they weren't even faced. I had told them, I'm like, well, you know, the, the client feels that the shirt, you know, isn't the right fit on your body type. And they were just like, okay. Yeah, cool. Whatever. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I felt so horrible saying that to them. Um, but they're just like, whatever, this is the nature of the business. They'll just type you out. Nope. To, to this, to that. Sorry. It doesn't work. Nope, nope, nope. See ya. And it's just the business. And I paid them just for trying on the shirt. (laughs) I felt so bad. I was like, can I just pay you 50 bucks for trying on the shirt? And they're like, you don't have to do that. Like, this is just how the business is. And I'm like, That's cool. I don't care. Here's 50 bucks. Like you drove to my office to try this on, you know, know. that's
0: some next level, like not giving a shit. If I got chastised every day, you're the second best looking guy in here. Nope. You're too fat. Get out of here, buddy. Uh, That would destroy me. Wouldn't that? Yeah. I mean, it seems like something I would run away from. That's why I stopped doing it. I mean, I stopped doing it because
1: of the rejection. I couldn't handle it. I, I said, like and look, for every 10 that I didn't get, I got one that was amazing, right? And I made tons of money and it would be like an industrial film or something like that. So it's not like I didn't have wins. It was just that the losses, and you know, I know Will Smith says fail fast and fail hard. Like You'll fail as hard as you can, as much as you can. I get it. I totally get it. But there was no growth. Like I would just be typed out based on my looks and my you know, just just quite honestly, the first thing to look at is 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 the looks. Like, do you fit this part? Well, no, your eyes are brown. I can't change my eye color unless I put in colored contacts. So, like, uh, you know? And then the other thing was like, I I've studied opera, I've studied Shakespeare, like in the countries where they originate, like with some of the best teachers in the world. And that didn't even matter when you would go to some of these auditions, some of these calls. They'd just be like, "Eh, too short, by an inch. See ya.
0: And I'd be like, ah. How much of it is like authenticity anyway, right? Like you aren't the, no offense, you don't have the chiseled abs and the prominent jaw and the blue eyes and the wavy hair. You're smart. You're not kind of dumb like I imagine those people are. Uh, How much of it is like authenticity where you... If if there was a role out there where they needed a Corey Warren, you would crush, right? Like, it seems like being authentic is always the way to go. I think so, too. You don't want to do a role that you're not right for.
1: But at the same time, it's just the will to keep persisting in that industry that I did not have. And there were other things that I was super excited about. And it worked out. I'm happy where I am.
0: Well, I, I'm very confused on how we get to... Running a digital agency, having you know the blog you had, of Lean Green Dad. I don't know if you're still doing anything over there or not. That's amazing. Yeah. I thought that was one of the coolest things I'd ever heard, and, and I wanted to help you a million times. Um, how do we get from failed actor? No offense, failed actor, right? Second, hey, I don't second care. best actor out there. Second best uh, actor. You know, marrying an actor, then you move into like general management. I, I've got all kinds of notes from your LinkedIn. Your LinkedIn is long, brother, as far as like Thanks. general management at New York City Center, general management at Second Stage Theater. So you go from being told you're second rate to telling others their second rate, or are you above that level when you're doing management?
1: Uh, so, first of all, I was like an apprentice, like an assistant to an assistant uh, learning in those roles. Um, but Second Stage is no joke. That place was amazing and they, handle new works that are coming to Broadway before they go to Broadway. So they almost test them out. And I got to work with the general manager and uh, just an incredible growth experience. Got to sit in on Broadway castings and really help. um, Got to do some research, like some dramaturg type of research where you're just deeply understanding the role and all that other kind of stuff. Um, I think that that was just an awesome experience of me living in New York. I was there for like a year, just a year. And then got hired by Disney to come back, which is so funny, right? Because I was the New York guy when I came back to Disney. I grew up in Florida my entire life. My whole family's worked for Disney. My grandpa was head of safety for 25 years for Epcot. I mean, this guy was a big deal. And then I go to New York for a year, work for some big name companies, and then get recruited by Disney to come back to Orlando to work in talent casting and booking. Now, the crazy thing, Ben, is I was hired by someone over the phone uh, who was a 30 year cast member. They call them cast members, not employees, right? And her name was Bobby. Bobby hired me. I flew in. She was diagnosed with cancer the day after she hired me, went to the hospital. I never met her, and she died six months later. I never met her. And she was, I was the last person that she hired. And she brought me into a department that you can only get into if you've been in the character department for a while, AKA paid your dues at Disney. Okay. So I wasn't well liked when I was brought into this role as the New York guy, which to me still is hilarious. And then I held into this department. It was amazing, it was incredible. I think it was three or four years. I can't remember. But then there was a big reorg at Disney. And I decided it was time for me to go because what my job was turning into was something I didn't have passion for. Um, moved into the nonprofit sector. I think that's when United Arts of Central Florida happened. I, you know, handled hundreds of events around my county for a local arts agency. Ended up going from United Arts to Nemours Children's Hospital, where I was in charge of a million-dollar, you know, hospital opening for three months. And then I went to the nonprofit sector again with, uh, you know, uh, Garden Theater. And Garden Theater, I was in charge of being a development director. So I was talking face-to-face to to people, asking them for lots of money and um, planning events, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then was snagged up by my buddy, uh, Jason, an entrepreneur for a long time to to try this company Grocerly, which was at the time it was kind of like a oh, i was a self sorting it was a grocery list like a smart grocery list that was user user generated content that would it would update based on user data and i'm pretty positive the technology itself was acquired um we had an angel investor and all that stuff we did that for 2 years and it was fun i got to go speak at i forget what you call it what what's a, like a worldwide web conference um Oh, it was in Ireland web summit. Does that ring a bell? No, I've never heard of it. There's something called web summit It's for like tech startups. Anyways, I went there and spoke on that stage, like great experience being nervous in front of, you know, thousands of people, all that kind of stuff. But then, uh, whenever grocery stopped, that's when I was like, okay, what do I do now? And, uh, I had lean green dad the whole time. Like lean green dad has been there like the entire time, probably since like 2014 or something. Just, just as a fun little thing it was called iron dad at the time, which by the way, I sent a cease and desist by the iron man triathlon, because that was a whole, that was a whole reason I started iron dad. It was like, I was a dad with two kids under three and I ran the iron man triathlon. So I thought it was a big deal. I called myself iron dad and they asked me to shut it down. So I did, I changed the name to lean green dad. I don't know, 2018 or something. And then You know, here we are now, and life is good. Uh, Someone asked me if I did marketing. Just someone randomly asked me if I did marketing after seeing what I had done on Lean Green Dad. And the answer was yes. And then C4 Social was born. My friend, who's a famous actor, came up with the idea of the name. And it's been like five years. Like it's been like five years C4 Social has existed in different iterations. And uh here it is today working with a huge team of awesome people 15 20 people that make up my agency and we have a full creative team and office a big office with two sound stages like it's incredible life life is good and so i think all those experiences and all those things that i talked about like all brought me to being able to be a ceo for a digital company that helps e-commerce businesses grow through lots of different things um but yeah is that that's kind of the end of the story so <laughs> I, have a good day I have, man See
0: you later. I, yeah i have to ask one <laughs> thing i saw on your linkedin that uh piqued my curiosity it said you you hosted a local orange county television show called community <laughs> cafe updating viewers on local events so is this like the pbs of like is it literally like a local channel
1: and you're the guy doing
0: tell me more about community cafe it's a local government for seven years man
1: uh yeah it was incredible it was a local government channel so when i worked at united arts of central florida um it was like really beneficial to be the guy from united arts when i was there and so i would be able to talk about the events that i was in charge of on air and i had a co-host and we were just like Hey, welcome to the cafe today we've got this. I just read from a prompter and it was fun. I you know brought the energy and brought the brought the the joy and uh it was great uh since then i the mayor shut down that entire station and uh it's now just for the mayor's like speeches so whoo. boring, boring stuff like they took away all the budget for producing shows and stuff like that. but when I was there it was so much fun, and I have all this footage of me. I still have the footage somewhere. Me, i'm
0: googling like, it right now i'm trying to find a youtube video oh, of you it would
1: be that. it would be old school youtube on orange tv it's got to be there somewhere you'd have to look though because there was a couple hosts uh and we rotated through but me and uh, michelle wargo were the hosts for a long time and uh she was a weather girl
0: you know so it was cool man it was cool but it seems like a lot of the things in your past helped you you know with where you are today It it, it didn't make sense to me until you walked through this of like you know you had to sell in person you had to cast people you had to envision uh you know which is going to help like cast a vision which is going to help you create the ads um yeah i don't know i don't I don't know about orange county tv how that's going to help but lean green dad makes sense too and i'd love to dive in there i'm genuinely curious what lean green dad is all about or how that started
1: yeah okay so my my family is a plant-based family and um you know when i was doing ironman i had read about dave scott the winningest ironman of all time or at least at the time he was and he was vegan and so i was like huh I'm going to read about this dude. And so I just started being more aware. Like I didn't run the Ironman fully vegan, but I was definitely aware of like the cuts of meat that I was consuming and aware of like just what I was putting in my body. Because when I would eat more fruits and veggies, I would recover way faster. And I would be out on the bike like three, four hours a day. I'd wake up at like mm, three and I would be back by seven to be a dad for two kids three and one. And uh, that was the deal I made with my wife. If I was going to do the triathlon, she was like, you're going to do it on your time. I love you, but you're going to do it on your time, not family time because triathlons are a very selfish sport. It's really for single gay guys. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, single being the most important thing. Um,
0: I don't know. Uh, I remember my, my old boss at, uh walmart distribution center he would come so i I started working like 3 p.m when i was in his department and he would show up at three and be like uh so this morning uh i biked 26 miles and then i went and took a mile swim in lake benoman and and then he would show up at work just full of energy and i'm like what is like i felt like something was wrong with him to be able to pull that off where i'm you know playing call of duty till four in the morning i'd sleep till noon i'd eat something and go to work for the day right and i was like (laughs) What's this guy do? Like, uh, it didn't really click with me that, you know, what ambition was. I don't think back. That, that was definitely early in my 20s where I was very confused.
1: Yeah, triathlons are weird. Uh, my first time swimming in open water was so scary, but I had to go do it. I was like going into this. It was called uh, Lucky's Lake. This guy, Lucky, his name's Lucky Meisenheimer, actually. And uh, he has this huge lake in the back of his house. Huge. It's like a quarter mile across. So triathletes all meet there like every Saturday and you just hop in the water and training in a pool is totally different than training in open water. And so you have to try to simulate the experience, right? Like you can't simulate the nerves that you're going to feel as a performer in front of an audience, unless you do it in front of an audience, you have to be able to, access your instrument still with the nerves because it's going to close your throat you're going to be shaking like some random weird part of your body is going to shake right and so you have to try to account for that so you're trying to recreate the actual situation and when i went to lucky's it was raining cold and there were four people there four and before you go out he's like hey listen i just want to tell you guys um basically, if you die, it's not my fault. Like you could get eaten by an alligator. You could drown. There's no one to save you. So just before you do this liability wise, this is what I'm talking about. And I'm like, okay, because if you make it across Lucky's Lake, you get to write your name on the wall of fame. And so I actually, I made it. I was by myself, dude. It was so scary going around me. And there's two lights, one on the other end and one at Lucky's house. And, uh, I made it back to Lucky's house, wrote my damn name on that wall. And I wrote iron dad on the wall. And so it's there. I didn't get eaten by any alligators, but yeah, that training was, uh, that training was intense. How do we? How do we get off on that? Did you ask me about? Did you, so you ask me? About I asked that? you about
0: lean green Dad. You started talking about how you uh, were green... training for a triathlon, right? And you got plant based. Yeah. Uh You know, this is the whole point of the BK show is to go off on as many tangents as we can. Yeah, I'm well, a, I'm I impressed mean, that you swam that far. Like number one in Florida. So I'm a Wisconsin kid. I don't get it. Like. I want to be warm in the winter, but I don't want like the creepy crawlies you have. I don't want the alligators you have. I don't want the snakes you have. I don't want the hurricanes you have. I definitely don't want 100 degrees and all the humidity you can ever imagine. So I'm, I, I, there's no zero chance I'm jumping in the lake uh, in Florida ever.
1: Yeah, it was scary, but it's fine. I did it. I had to. People always said I was going to be addicted to triathlons because you can't just do it once. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I only want to do this once. I'm a one and done and I had a 3,500 bike I invested in and I sold it the day after Ironman. And people were like, don't do it. You're crazy. You're going to regret it. I haven't regretted it one second. I'm very decisive. And so when I make a decision, I'm good. Like I don't have any regrets. I got 3,500 bucks back for the bike. So like it was the Corvette of bikes. Why would I not? Why do I need a Corvette of bikes? If I'm what like ride around my kid on his training wheels, What what is that? So no.
0: And you're an entrepreneur, right? You can tell it's in you of like, okay, accomplish this now. What's next, right? Uh, it, I don't know. I, I, think that's what life's about. How, I don't understand how people get that. Like, uh, number one, I don't understand the like need to go crazy and do a triathlon. I don't get it. I'm just gonna be honest, <laughs> no, I don't get it. Uh, but like, even when you do, then, then what? You're gonna try to beat your time the next time? I don't know. I, I like the idea of conquering many new things. It's also, you know, part of the problems, I guess, with entrepreneurs is there's too many shiny things that we all want to go after and accomplish. So. Look, I want to I do want to dive into the plant-based thing. Uh treat me like I'm dumb. Tell me like this is super controversial. I know there's people listening who are like, "This guy only eats plants? Where does he get his B12?" Uh and then there's our Joe Rogan fans out there who are probably insisting you eat some elk right now. Uh where are you at on this spectrum? How did you get where you are? And then, you know, give me some insights into the to the plant-based lifestyle. How how are you raising your family cuz that's that's yeah. can't be easy. Yeah, I got you. So
1: people usually trans transform, change to a vegan diet or a plant-based diet, which is much more inclusive. The word plant-based is a much more inclusive word. And you'll find that people that aren't vegans or are eating the standard American diet, um, will, will warm up more to the word plant-based. Although vegan is a much better keyword in general, you know, now we're talking SEO stuff, but, um, people, people change to a plant-based diet for three reasons for themselves for the animals or for the planet. Okay. So no matter what reason you choose, each of those reasons are pretty cool. Right. And you can be all three or you can be one for me. It was selfish. It was for me and it was for my wife. So my wife has ulcerative colitis and she's had it ever since, uh, we were engaged. Uh, it was just, like a super stressful time. And she had had symptoms leading up that she didn't know throughout college. And then everything came to a head during our wedding planning, which is just horrible. And so once you have it, like it's a it's a chronic illness. You're going to live with it forever, right? So you just have to maintain it, right? So we started doing a lot of reading. Nobody could tell us like how it happens exactly. We started the support group, a local support group here, and it was awesome. Did it for like nine years. And, um, you know, we just read that maybe switching to a plant-based diet, you know, getting rid of meat because meat is harder to digest. Like it's just harder to digest for the human body, right? Uh, would give her body more, I think of it as like a battery. Like if your body is a 100% battery and it takes like, 60% of your battery to freaking digest meat, then maybe we could just eat something that's only going to take like 20% of the battery. And then we can use that other 80% for healing her body from her chronic illness. Right. Cause she was in a flare at the time. I mean, She's bleeding from her freaking butt. I mean, sorry, but like, that's what it is. People suffer in silence over this thing, you know, it's horrible. So, um, that's why we did it. And she saw some great results. Like she, she didn't cure her ulcerative colitis and what we're not what we're trying to do, but it was really taking responsibility for what we put in our bodies. Cause you have a decision. The greatest decision you have every day is what you put at the end of your fork. Right. And so you have to think about that stuff. And so then I was seeing the benefits for training and working out and stuff. And I'm like, man, this is cool. So we just did it for ourselves. And then, you know, ended up having a kid, uh, Izzy, my firstborn and, you know, two and a half years in, we were like, man, maybe we should maybe we should really go 100%, you know, plant-based here. So we did and transitioned Izzy, you know, when she was like two and a half, three, she still remembers eating bacon and she's like,
0: bacon was good, but I don't miss it like that bad, you know? (laughs) And, um, you know, it's funny. My good friend, Ben is a vegetarian and I see him uh, lately. We've been walking every Saturday uh, and he'll come over Saturday and we'll get done. And and my wife almost like clockwork has bacon on the stove when we get done with our walk and he'll come in and we'll talk baseball cards or something. Um, And every time he's like, you know, that still smells good. And it's been like a decade for him. Right. And he's yeah. like, I don't want to eat any, but man, that does smell good. <laughs>
1: there, There's a reason that Hellman's is coming out with a uh, vegan ranch dressings that are flavored like bacon. It's called bacon like it's bacon mayonnaise. Like, you know, it's, it's weird though. It's just totally weird. Um, so I mean, you know, that, that's, that's kind of where it started is doing it for ourselves. And then of course, you know, you learn about the animals and the factory farms and the way they're treated. And you're like, yeah, man, that sucks. Like I could jive with that. Um, so yeah, cool. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm vegan for the animals too. That that's cool. And then it's like, Oh, carbon emissions. And you see, you know, movies like, uh, what, Leonardo DiCaprio's, um, what's that one with the cow Cowspiracy, right? So, like, you see things like that, and you're like, hmm, this is just something to think about, right? You don't need to drink, like, all the Kool-Aid. You don't need to, like, go go straight PETA. Like, pita is, like, extreme, and, like, I understand the PETAs of the world because animals are being freaking tortured around the world. It's just not my vibe. Yeah, My vibe, but, like, PETA turned my son down for... You know, cutest vegan kid. He was voted like top ten cutest vegan kid, right? And he was in the finals. And they were like, "Hey, what do you do for vegan advocacy? Do you stand outside of Sea World, you know, and like hold up a sign? Do you do that? Would you do that?" I'm like, ah, you know what? That's not really my jam. I'm not. I'm not going to do that. And they were like, "Yeah, your kid's not the cutest vegan kid because there were other cute vegan kids that are standing out in front of Sea World picketing, like hardcore." And I'm like, ah, I totally get it. Like, totally respect that. I'm. I'm not. It's just not my jam. It's just not mine.
0: So he took so, second place too, huh? That's crazy. I,
1: <laughs> I don't know what number he was. It was out of ten. Who knows what he was? He was first writer refusal.
0: Look, I think it takes a little empathy here, right? You can be as controversial as you want on whether you should eat meat yeah. or shouldn't eat meat, or nutrient density, or digestion yeah. process. I think if you could, if everyone listening can have a little bit of empathy and just. You know, go watch Cowspiracy or go look up Factory Farms. You will be absolutely disgusted. I drive to Colorado, I don't know, once every other year or something like that. Um, lately, it's been a lot more visiting uh, uh, my former partner, Brian. And there just there's a stretch of freeway in Nebraska that is disgusting. Like, it's just Factory Farmer and it's just brown. It's brown as far as the eye can see. And there's thousands and th- probably hundreds of thousands of cows. Um, I have a friend, uh, Corbin, who uh, she went to work at – like, she's – very much against all of this stuff. And she went to work there just to see it. And so she worked there for a few months just to see it firsthand. Ooh, and, um, wow. It's it's bad. It's really, really bad. And so you know, while I'm a meat eater myself, I, if you can't at least meet everyone in Middle Ground, you're crazy in the first place. But this one seems pretty easy to meet Middle Ground, right?
1: Yeah. And I mean, how are we supposed to... Like if my message or, or my mission in life is to help people raise healthy kids. And honestly, like what, what, what it boils down to for me for lean green dad is I just want parents to help get more meats or um, <laughs> meats to help, help fruits and veggies in their kids diet. That's all it is just more fruits and veggies. I'm not telling you what you shouldn't eat. That's not my vibe either. I'm telling you what you should eat. Right. And I think it's very different. It's like my outlook on life. Like I focus on the positive. I don't ignore the negative. I just choose to focus on the positive. And when you focus on the positive, you have a positive direction forward. And so this like happiness or energy or bubbly personality, like this is the real me. This is the true me because I focus only on things like being thankful, like gratitude, like perspective, things in my life that I have that I'm so lucky to have. And I have bad days just like anybody else. But if we can just switch the focus of like what I'm doing is right. And what you're doing is wrong, which a lot of vegans get like, they get that. It's like this elitist thing. We're like, well, I'm a vegan. So you don't understand what I'm talking about. Right. It's like, no, this is what I do. It works for me. It might not work for you. And that's okay. Like if you grew up eating your mom's shredded pork, And it's like nostalgic for you. And it's amazing. And she makes it in the crock pot every year for you. And when you sit at the table together, you're able to connect and have a genuine, amazing connection and meal. And you remember that thing your dad did and that joke he told across the table. Food is the centerpiece for our entire human connection. It's what keeps us alive and it's what brings us together. And so I'm not trying to threaten that. I think I've even interviewed someone that was a hunter on my Lean Green Dad podcast, and he was vegan, but his family, he was raised hunting. And he switched my entire thought around hunting and why they did it. They did it together as a family to spend time together. And when they killed the animal, they went and they like, I don't know if they said a prayer or whatever it was, but they honored the animal. And it's just like, man, I didn't really think about it that way it's so easy to just be like, well, that's wrong. You know, why, why do they deserve to die? And you, you, you choose like, who are you to play God? I totally, it's really hard. You just have to have an open, you know, mind to be able to understand where other people are coming from. And I think, like you said, empathy is a big deal. So yeah, my mission is to help get more fruits and veggies in 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 kids you know around the world and help parents not feel like a failure because it's really hard Your kids if it was up to them they just eat sugar all day long and uh you know chips my kids love freaking chips i just can't stand i'm like god god
0: with the chips and we have a lot of conversations around here of oh life's all about choices and uh you can choose to eat that food that probably tastes really good, but it's also going to make you feel bad later. And some choices give you instant gratification and instant, you know, the opposite side as well. And some take years to give you that effect. And so yeah, that, that was their question yesterday. What, if I ate McDonald's every day, what would happen to me? And so I tried to Watch explain that movie. it as best I could. Yeah. There's the movie with Martin Spurlock. Yeah. It's a decent movie. Look, you're pounding all my core values here. Empathy, kindness, positivity, gratitude. Uh, and then the big one's authenticity. Right? This podcast was me reaching out to a ton of the people I've met who are doing exactly what they love. Like they are authentic. You are being you and just sharing your story on Lean Green Dad. And it's it works, right? You don't have to be anything you're not meant to be. In, in, in light of PETA, I was told recently at a mastermind, if I'm right, someone has to be wrong, right? And that really made me shift my perspective of like, Maybe I don't need to always be right. Uh, that was a hard one for me to swallow personally, but I love what you're doing at Lean Green Dad. I'd love to know some of the ways like you were able to monetize that, because I know there's people listening who are maybe they're in underwater basket weaving or sports cards yeah. uh, or college football or hunting. Uh, there's a million ways to monetize everything, and you can make a business out of being authentic and being passionate about something. And so, yeah, how did you get started? How did how did that you know turn into you know you serving others, which ultimately turns into cash?
1: Yeah. So it it was a struggle at first to figure out like, okay, is this a hobby? Is this a business? What is this? Right. And so I would just crank out content like crazy. And I'm kind of getting back to that for 2021 and very excited about it. I have a calendar again, which makes me very excited, but I have years and years and years of content that I haven't even posted some of it because I've always had my attention kind of elsewhere, but Back in the day, it used to be sponsorships. So I get sponsored by, I was a Whole Foods ambassador, like at the uh, regional level. And so I just like make videos and get paid on a monthly retainer to do that. Um,
0: I would reach out to brands. Hold on. What does that look like? I've never heard of that before. So you're putting out videos, like you're putting out content, right? On the regular as far as blog posts or or YouTube videos. Did you have a podcast back then too? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. What is regional yeah. ambassador to Whole Foods? What are the requ- what Are you able to speak on what that type of contract looks like? I literally made it up.
1: I made up the position, regional ambassador. Like I, I called it healthy ambassador, and they had never had it before. I just made it up. And so I had a contact at Whole Foods, and um, I actually met John Mackey at the Whole Foods headquarters after, and maybe during my, my contact was here in central Florida and she doesn't work for them anymore. And so, uh, you know, when the contact goes away, the, the role goes away. Also whole foods was acquired by Amazon and all this other stuff. So like the structure just wasn't the same, but, um, whole foods was great to work with first of all, because they have the whole kids foundation. And so they were a nonprofit that supported me and everything. And, um, still, still connected today. Good, great people. And John Mackey was awesome. And uh, I would just go in there once a week and shoot a video of me shopping for the things that I would usually shop for. And my kids were super good on video and they're still super good. I don't put them on video as much, but when they were really small, like three, four five, I would have them doing videos, like cooking videos and stuff. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we did. And they, they paid for that. I also did classes in their test kitchen. So I would be live doing, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, bean, bean ball instead of meatball, right? Like bean ball sub kids and parents would come with their kids and we would make, you know, bean ball subs together in the test kitchen and try them out. Or I teach them how to go shopping and look on the back of cereal labels for healthy cereal and stuff like that. So it was incredible. I loved it.
0: Um, and then um, what does that look like? Are you able to speak on like what that looks So you approach whole foods, you're getting content out of the deal and like all kinds of, you have the store at your disposal in their kitchen and ingredients. What? Obviously, they're getting exposure out of it, but what does that look like on a financial relationship?
1: I mean, so the retainer I think was like a thousand bucks a month. They was just like pay me a thousand bucks a month, and at the time, that was awesome. Like I loved that. That was incredible. Um, but I, I didn't have my
0: own product. I wasn't selling. I wasn't selling anything. Uh, hey, this which is, is a unique. Weird. This is a unique monetization method. Like this is exactly how people should get started right just go start talking to the people you want to talk to and eventually you'll start yeah. building an audience and then you oh, know, yeah. kudos to you for going to whole foods and saying hey uh, i want to use your store and create content and tell people to shop at whole foods like it's a oh a yeah idea. i shot a i shot a series um
1: an email acquisition series uh, a lead generation series whatever you want to call it but i mean you want to call it that authentic i i really wanted people that wanted to learn more about how to shop for plant-based stuff. So I put a series together. It's still on YouTube. Um, it's great. I have hair and like, I'm a lot younger. And, um, in, in the thing, it's like a three, three videos, one shopping for, you know, plant-based milks and cereals. I, I honestly can't remember, but each one came with a downloadable PDF that was like a shopping guide for you. And then it had like me walking them through the aisles and, you know, being an actor like i was pretty good on camera and I, my sister was a videographer so like she would go with me and we would just shoot it and i shot it in whole foods and like they got exposure i got exposure they would share it i would get to take over their ig and i i i would say before you do anything with any brand or you reach out about how great you are first of all you have to have a media kit a one page media kit that talks about you got to have some views you got to have some followers you got to have some engagement because lean green dad is kind of a niche within a niche right it's like vegan people, but it's also like vegan parents. Right. And so it's a very niche. Uh, and so my audience, while relatively small is mighty and their engagement is great and they're wonderful and they support each other. My lean green team, private Facebook group is like totally welcoming and inclusive. Um, so, you know, that's, that's what you do. You, you go out there and you say, Hey, I want to do something for you. Nothing in return. I just want to do something for you. Would you mind sharing it? You know, if I put it together, um, and even our friend, George Bryant, like he did this and he was like a mega famous influencer, like New York times, bestseller, like millions of followers. And he would make content that was really high end content and just send it to a brand to be like, use it however you want. And they would use it in their ads and they would tag him and then he would grow following and stuff like that. And so I think that's a good way to do it. Uh, ultimately you want to make sure you don't do, you know, stuff for free, like all the time, um, And if you do something for free, as I'm going to transition into products, right? I didn't really even realize that I could do a product for Lean Green Dad without shipping and stuff like that. So I did a digital product and I always like helping people eat. Uh, So I was like, I should be putting together a meal plan. But this meal plan has to be like super simple. And so all the meals that I put together are 15 minutes or less that that you prep. It's dinner, which is the hardest meal you know, for parents, because kids always say, dad, what's for dinner or whatever. And you're just like exhausted. You're like, end of the day, like, damn it, I don't know what I'm going to make. And uh, just five, five dinner recipes every week. So what I did was I said, you know, let me send you a meal plan for free. And you can see it on the website right now, lean green meal plan, lean green dad.com. It all funnels to the actual meal plan and you sign up And I instantly send you your first five meals. And I put a lot of different meals in there to try to make sure before your card is charged, because you do have to put your credit card in seven bucks a month um, for essentially 20, 20 plus meals. Cause I always do extras and bonuses always go above and beyond with desserts or breakfasts and snacks and stuff like that. So for seven bucks a month, you have, you have seven days to figure for you. And I hit you with like every potential fake meat recipe, Whole food, plant based, delicious salad. I really give you the wide spectrum of the types of meals that I'm going to put together for you, and that's to make sure that if it's not the right fit for you, that you you opt out. You know, within the seven days, um, and then I also give away uh, my my ebook. Like I have a 54 page, five chapter forward written by the great Rip Esselstyn um, that I just give away, and I I truly want other parents to feel like they're not alone. If they're trying to transition to a plant-based diet and I just give them, I just give them my, my ebook and it all leads to the meal plan. I eventually want you to just be part of the lean green meal plan. And, um, today I've grown that so that it has a solid recurring revenue that keeps growing and growing. I've turned, I've turned ads off, you know, for December. So we're not running anything for December, but once January hits, we're going to start incorporating, some Google ads, um, some Facebook ads, because I think I'm sure we'll talk about this, but like I feel like Google is always going to be, or at least now, especially is going to be a better bet for cold traffic, um, based on search terms, you know, keyword search terms and stuff like that, uh, rather than Facebook, like to try to interrupt someone's feed with great content and also get them to come over and then buy, um, I mean, if you could do that at a, a one return on ad spend and acquire customers for free, essentially, that's awesome. But I've, from what I've seen and what I've experienced, and of course, this is a generalization. It's going to be different for every client. But for me, I've not taken a dive into Google for Lean Green Dad yet. And I feel like I could dominate that search term. I mean,
0: it's a, it's a very small, are you, small platform. So. Are you familiar with Thomas DeLauer? Yes. Uh, keto guy, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had uh, Nick Coates on who built a lot of his stuff for him, but his organic side where he would drive all the leads. If you go to Google or to YouTube and just look up like keto shopping list and then Costco, Sam's Club, Aldi, any of those things, it's going to be his videos, right? And they're really good. They're really in-depth. He's talking to you why he's buying certain things, why he's not buying certain things. He'll put some in his card and not put some in his card. He goes in there with a budget and like to me, that's where you would crush, right? You were kind of doing this early on, uh, with whole foods. And I think those videos would absolutely crush for you. And then of course they're going to want to come, you know, at the end of the video and, and check out your meal plan and, and get all this stuff catered to you. Uh, and then obviously, you know, you're speaking to, as Brie would say, my nerdy little heart, when you're talking SEO and writing the right keywords on Google, I could talk about that stuff all day long. Yeah. You're the master at that. I'm a novice, but I, uh,
1: I appreciate you so much. Uh, you're freaking, Ninja
0: skills with with that stuff. <laughs> I just think you had you have something cool going there, right? And if I remember right, you know, uh, during the time where I knew you in George's Mastermind, it, it seemed like you were kind of looking for a, a new way to to grow that, right? And I saw immediately that that was you, uh, which made me excited, right? I just love working well, with entrepreneurs who are authentic and they're they're talking about something that they're super passionate about, and it just makes everything easier right it, it makes you creating a product everybody wants easier cuz you are the customer it makes your marketing easier because you know exactly how it makes you feel and so um i'm i'm happy to hear that you're back doing that again like uh yeah. that's you man you know what i mean like that that's your yeah. family the content comes super easy uh if you anybody goes to lean green dad right now that's your daughter on there she's a rock star she's going to be something special someday um already is i don't know you might be the better dancer i've seen on tiktok but um, <laughs> She's amazing on your videos. <laughs> As she gets to be a teenager,
1: it's it's hard. I feel like the teenage years is when they kind of pull away and you become, ah, oh, come on, dad, like, oh, dad, right? Um, she has a lot of. Uh, have you seen Social Dilemma on Facebook? I haven't yet. No, it's in my queue. So it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. I mean, I'm taking with a grain of salt, but it's worth a watch. Um, but I think you'd agree with a lot of the stuff. She's with a lot of anxiety right now and a lot of stuff over social media. Um, I always said to her I, ever since she, she was. Really, really young. She started dancing like four years old, and dancing is her life. She loves dancing. I told her, I said, Hey, sweetie, listen, I'm just going to be honest with you. You're not going to have social media accounts. All your friends are going to have them, and you're not going to have one. And I want you to be okay with that right now. She's like, Dad, whatever. I don't need social media, all this other stuff, right? Five, six, seven, eight. She's like, Hey, Dad, all the other girls have social media. Well, babe, you know, we talked about this. Remember, I don't really care too much about your other friends, but for you, It's no social media accounts. Well, TikTok came along. All of a sudden she's dancing, you know, on my wife's account, stuff like that. My wife just opened it for her. My wife doesn't care. And so, you know, all of a sudden um, one day she had a social media account and she had started her own TikTok and my wife had approved it. And, you know, we, we have to have two yeses or it's a no. And so I didn't get, I didn't get that, that second approval. And so I was a little upset. But I Googled around and found this social media contract and I made her sign a social media contract with me. And, uh, there's consequences to like, if she violates the contract, what happens and stuff like that. And it's all around her mental health and her her help. Cause she can't sleep at night sometimes. And she's starting to get affected by how many people like her videos or how many people see her or her friends are getting more likes than her or her friends are supporting other friends and not her stuff like that. And it's making her really sad. And so if you can't handle that, it's not healthy for you. And so I've been trying to calmly talk to her about it. Uh, we went on a date last night actually. So it's super fresh. And she said the most mind blowing stuff to me. She goes, I know you're Right she goes, I know you're right. And every time that I lose track of how much I'm looking at my phone, every time I dive into TikTok, I get horrible sleep and I'm not as happy. And so I know that what needs to happen is I need to delete my TikTok account, personal, my personal TikTok account, but I just don't want to. And I'm like, well, why, if you know something is a detriment to your personal health, why would you not get rid of it? And she's like, I don't know. I'm like, because you're addicted to it, sweetheart. It's a dopamine hit. And we've talked about what dopamine is, right? And so it's controlling you. You're not controlling it. And that's something to think about, right? And this is when being a dad comes into play and you're like, damn. So I got that acknowledgement from her and that was cool. I did tell her me and mom are going to talk about it. I don't know if we need to completely delete the account, but Ben, like, Fucking 12 year old girls are dancing all super sexy on TikTok. And it's just, it's just weird, man. Like, I mean, you know, you see these dateline stories of like pedophiles looking for accounts like that. And it's just, man, I just don't even want it to be in my universe. And so the only way to help it not be in the universe, I'm not trying to shelter her from everything, but I can control whether she has a social media account or not. She's 12 years old. Right. And so, so that's kind of my world right now. Yet again, I don't understand how we transitioned into this, but <laughs> welcome to the BK podcast. Mate.
0: It was simply, you know, mentioning here on your, on your podcast, but I, I like those takes, man. Number one, have you seen the, the new Pixar movie Souls? Yes. Like yes. that reminded me of the Lost Souls from that. Yep from that movie of like getting you know so deep into something and I get it on TikTok. Look, TikTok's algorithm is probably the best of any social media I've ever seen. And so people the best, who are like cons- most complex or m- best friendly, what do you mean? Anybody who's consuming Twelve-year-old dance videos is going to get more twelve-year-old dance videos. Like it is so good at giving you more of whatever you showed interest in. Yeah, scoring system of like you watch the video that's one point. If you uh, rewatch the video that's two points. If you like the video that's three points. If you share the video that's four. Right? It works. It works for them as far as like giving you more of what you like. And so I could see you know your daughter getting more TikToks of all of her friends and and other twelve-year-olds. And um, yeah, man, I I can see the other side too of like you got to let her be her too, right? Like, uh, I yeah. wouldn't want her... Like, yeah. there's certain dances on there that certainly, there's certain sounds on there uh, that maybe slip past their There, Oh, man, N-words,
1: sex sounds, yeah, yeah. you know,
0: Nicki Minaj with
1: WAP, like, like, the thing is like, oh, Lord. And I'm not...
0: Yeah. When I heard I WAP don't... the first time, I was like, was it like this when I was a kid? It would just, it shocked me. And it's such a, like, forget the words, it's a fantastically orchestrated song. The music is yep. good. The lyrics are hitting yep. right on point. They're a little, you know, they're out there. Anybody who's listened to it, but it's a good song. And I'm just, I, I felt so conflicted when I heard that song. Cause part of me just wanted to like groove to it. I think it's so direct.
1: Like I, back in the day, I don't think it was that direct, right? Like there would be this song, by. there was a song by, I think his name was Domino. And it was like sweet potato pie. And he was talking about the same thing. Nicki Minaj is talking about, but he called it sweet potato pie, right? And so it's like, seriously? We're just going to use the P word just straight up? Like nothing to think about there, nothing to hide from your kids. It's not like freaking Bugs Bunny cartoons where there's a little something for the parents every now and then that the kids don't get. It's a little over their head, but it's really funny and it makes me laugh. No, just like straight up like that's a wet beep. You know, it's like straight up just how it is, so... I believe, ah, well. it's wet.
0: I believe it's wet beep beep i don't know i'm not even sure wet beep a beep beep <laughs> it, i mean it's yeah. a weird world right so I, I, i've been trying to think a lot about this as i've got a couple stepkids and 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 a boy on the way um Ooh. their life's gonna be so different from ours right i i, I think i've mentioned this on the, on my podcast before like i have a lot of friends who all you know as i'm surfing through my social feed will be like oh, back in my day we played out in the yard and these kids don't know and i'm just like it's their experience they have such a different experience than we will have and uh you know 20 30 years from now we're all going to be wearing our vr goggles and having robots massage our legs to keep our 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 blood flow going and like it's going to be a weird world and and yeah it's weird how do you control a little bit because that's what you have to do as a parent but also you know let them figure it out i don't know that's a yeah yeah again how did we get here but like that's a a crazy position you're you're certainly farther ahead with a, a 12 year old right it is
1: It is. I mean, she's an awesome kid. I mean, awesome, awesome kid. And so I know she's going to be fine. I mean, I can't believe the stuff she's talking about at 12 years old. Like I had no idea what I wanted to do. She thinks she wants to be a professional dancer and I'm cool. Like whatever you want to do. I mean, their career starts so young. Now your career's over at like 25 as a professional dancer. It's like, she wants to do, um, She wants to be like a Missy Elliott dancer, like that kind of thing. Like, you know, like a backup dancer kind of thing. So I'm like, Hey man, go tour the world, like doing that stuff. If concerts are still around (laughs) with everything, it's like, who knows? But I think it'll be awesome. But, uh, yeah, well, she, she's helped out a lot with lean green dad. I mean, that's for sure. I, I pay her five bucks a video when she's on video, I do pay her. Uh, so that's how she earns her allowance. Um, and, uh, she used to help with social media stuff, but she she doesn't really have a passion for it. So I'm not gonna force her to do it, but I am like, if you want money, then, you know, go reply to some comments, you know, but if you don't, that's fine too.
0: Incredible self-awareness from a 12 year old to talk to yeah. you like that Yeah, on her own she, and say, she, I, you know, you're right. Let, let alone that's some hard words for a kid to say. Whew, uh, it's hard words I, for any husband to say too. Yeah. <laughs> but, All right. I'm going to take a pee and then I, I genuinely want to ask where you're going with Lingry Dad and move to C4. and.
1: Okay, cool. Go for it. I'll go check on my family.
0: Okay. Uh, All right. PSB and so far behind, I keep getting shit every day. Like I ordered, I've been stocking up on NBA cards that just continue to triple in in value. like, so these are like, I ordered these shacks on like the 15th and they just started showing up and like, it's crazy. That's amazing. Christmas after Christmas. It's been great. Are you a basketball guy? No, not at all. I just, I see the arbitrage and I want to, I want to make a lot of money. So
1: the, what, what's the
0: arbitrage? This is, is that Spanish arbitrage? What's so like, that? uh, look, the, uh, the sports cards flow with seasons. So when the NBA was in the bubble, it was all time high cause of COVID, right? It doubled just like everything else did on the internet. And then NBA season ended and the cards dip back down here. And now the NBA season's starting again. So if you just buy in the dip every year, literally every year buying the dip, the right guys, the right card of the right guys because the hobby designates that this is the only shack that matters is the 1992 tops like it's the only one that matter you buy any other shack you're, you're an idiot right or like ja morant this is one of like three He's the superstar in the league right now if you buy one of three cards of him the rest don't matter um then you're you buying the dip and when the season starts ja just uh the other night hit 40 points broke some guy's record and his Cards went up 12% that night. Like. Yeah,
1: but he also sprained his ankle so bad last night he had to hop off with one leg. I
0: saw that. I'm hoping yeah. uh, hoping I, I read hope some he's good okay. news today. Yeah, yeah, I hope
1: he's okay. I think it's just a – from what I saw on Twitter, it's just a, a high-grade sprain. So he'll be yeah. back. As long as it's not a
0: high-ankle sprain, uh, I'll be happy. Look, I don't, I don't care. It's only going to go up. He's going to be a superstar forever. Um, but there's so much arbitrage there. I also uh, – Angel Round invested – In a company called Dibs Dibs Dibs.io, they are fractionalizing card ownership. And so, rather than me, like you know, uh, this is a five hundred dollar card right here. So, rather than me pay five hundred for this, they'll make one token out of this, where you can buy one one hundredth of a token, right? So, for five bucks, I can own one share in this card and participate in the upside while owning a share, right? And trade it like a stock. Uh, wow. And so we they came and pitched us on our Wednesday night poker game that I somehow got into on COVID with a bunch of people who are way smarter than me. And uh, yeah, I, I chucked a uh, truck 25k at it. So I hope I'm right.
1: <laughs> wow. Well, I got a ton of cards. Now you've got me thinking because the back in the day, I have. Beckett's too. You remember Beckett's from back in the day?
0: I remember checking prices on Beckett. Yeah, literally, have my dad dropped off what was left. He used to go to card shows every weekend. That was my childhood, and so I've got boxes oh. to go through here for him to find. Again, he's got hundreds of cards, and there's probably like six in there that matter, right? Because it's only one card that oh, actually yeah. matters.
1: I have I have Jordans and everything. Jeez,
0: if you have an '86 Fleer, you're in you're in good shape, buddy.
1: Uh, I don't think I I don't know. I have to check '86 Fleer. I'll look it up. All right
0: the PSA 10 of that is a million dollar card right now. So if you have a, an 86, What's a 10, uh, so they get graded. Now this company grades this, uh, that, I don't know if you can even see that in the shadows there. Um, uh, this says PSA 10, right? Um, PSA. And then Beckett has their own BG. I don't have one in front of me. BGS grading system. Everybody likes PSA nowadays. Um, and, and a raw card to a PSA 10, you're talking five to 10 X value just between the raw card and, and PSA 10. So, I, you, c- you can't Holy get better than that. they're just saying it's perfectly centered the corners are good the edges are right yeah wow all right well cool it's a it's a fun place to play if you, if you grew up collecting cards which are worth shit now because they weren't numbered right like all of these are Well, these these in front of me are not but um like ba- i collect a lot of baseball cards and um they're all numbered, right? So there's like a, a super fractor, which is just a one of one card. Uh, and then red is out of five, orange is out of 25. And so they built scarcity into it so that you get you know higher value cards based on the scarcity where the, like basketball, there's, I don't know, 10,000 of these uh, Zion Williamson's, yeah. but it's still a thousand dollar card, um, but there's 10,000, right? So then it comes to the grading to create scarcity. There's only 2000 PSA tens in the whole world, right? And I have one of them. Whoa. Does that make sense? Jeez. Otherwise, back in the nineties, it yeah, was just it like wax era, and they were just printing, 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 printing. Um, and so yeah. there's so many cards out there that there's no scarcity.
1: Wow. Okay, that's probably what I have then—a bunch of wax cards.
0: Yeah, that's you just have to boring. like type in the go on eBay, type in the player, and then rookie PSA ten, right? And then sort by highest value. You'll quickly see the card that they're looking for for each player. Um, and you might have a few. My dad, my dad has some Jeters in here, which is the ones you're looking for, right? But Raw, it's worth a few hundred bucks if I grade it and it comes back at 10, which it probably won't. It's a 20-year-old card, a 30-year-old card. Um, then it would be worth thousands, right? So it's all, it's all about the, wow. getting the good grade on the right card. Or something new every day. So where's Lean Green Dad going in, in 2021? Like you said, you're going to bring back content. You've currently got a flow going. You're running ads too. This is all new to me since I talked to you last, which is great. Like you actually have some recurring revenue. MRR, I believe is what uh, the, the professionals hey. call it. Yeah. The recurring revenue is great. The churn rate
1: is about 15%. And I was expecting about 20%. Churn rate being like bringing people in to cancel before their seven days or whatever. Right. Um, and you know, COVID has been interesting. It's It's pretty pretty low. low, Yeah. I'm happy with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I I mean, Nick Coates is my boy and I asked Nick and Nick told me it was, it was low. So that's good. Um, that means that I'm giving them good, uh, good meal plans. So, you know, it works well, but I've got over here, I'm going to so this is my dry erase board that you can't see and you know this is not video right now so you can't see it either but so I'm I'm really doing a lot of analysis right I always like for my agency we make decisions based on data not not feelings like feelings are super important don't get me wrong but a lot of CEOs make decisions based on their gut feeling and their super subjective decisions that ultimately you can't represent every single customer you just can't let the data tell you what the heck is going on and good data at that right so i look at a lot of different things like for organic i'm talking just about organic right now and so i have a ton of content like my content library is just insane for lean green so on friday nights or friday mornings i would be morning at 4 a.m on friday um So I wake up every Friday morning at 4 a.m. And from 4 to about 6.30, I build the Lean Green meal plan. And I build it each week, like in that two-and-a-half-hour time frame. And the whole week prior, I'm testing recipes, and I make these recipes myself. And so I'm super excited about it. I put my heart and soul into this thing because I absolutely love it. It does not work for me. I love it. Okay? So Friday, I send that. Saturday, I send a recipe to, like, my... You know, seven, eight thousand people on my own email list, you know, just a recipe for them. Um, and then on Sunday, I always write a blog post. Like I'll write an original blog post for me, a recipe that I've made. I just did corn chowder, right? And it was like a potato corn chowder base. Like the kids loved it. So I was like, oh man, I'm gonna shoot a photo in my house. I'm gonna post about it, make sure it's keyword optimized, you know, send it to my SEO guy. He falls in love with me because it's like Yoast score of like a hundred. Like he's, it's green. You know what I'm talking about with the plugin? It's like, it's good. And then I also welcome people into my Facebook group. So I'll get about anywhere between 40 and a hundred people coming into the private Facebook group, lean green team, every single, every two weeks, I'd say. Right. So I'm going to start every week welcoming in all of those people. And the way I welcome them in is uh I have I have one that's really awesome and in my three questions in the private Facebook group I actually ask them what their email is I ask them their first name I ask them what their biggest struggle with the plant-based diet is which will fuel my future content and then I also ask them what their email is if they'd like to give it to me um I have that set up to zap to an email um series that's all value based that gives them my book. It's like, welcome to the private Facebook group. This group is different. Here's why. Here's my huge ebook just for you. And then eventually I'll sell them on the Lean Green Meal Plan. I mean, like hopefully they get so much value that they're like, damn, I want more. Right. And it's only seven bucks and you can get started for free. No obligations. So go give it a shot. Which by the way, shout out to Nick Coates. He's the one that told me to give it away for free. He was like, give a seven day trial for free and then see what happens. And so that that was Nick's idea, um, which I love. Or you could pay for the entire year for 63 bucks. And I don't know what 12 times, what's 12 times seven? 63? Uh, 84, 91? Yeah. So I don't know. 84. 84. 12 times seven. 84. Okay. So instead of 84 bucks, you could pay 63 and get it for the whole year subscription, which a lot of people do. And if you're talking about, we're getting super nerdy here now, but if you're talking about cost per acquisition, like I think the CPA last time I checked was 11 bucks. So it would take two months of member. Well- it is, but the product is low priced. It's only seven bucks, right? So like, and that's on Facebook when I even talk about Google, right? So I'm happy with that. People guys, I guess so much freaking talk about because like the way I did the first video, dude. The first video I basically asked anyone I've ever met in my entire life within the first hour of posting it to like, comment, and share for me. And they did. And to this day, that video with the social proof is the highest converting video that I have. Like
0: It's just nuts. But going back to content here. Hold on. on. I got got one idea for you that I just ran into the other day. Okay. Um, Somebody's was starting a Facebook group who I wanted to help support. And I went in there and uh, one of the three questions was, what is the secret password to join this group? Right? And then it says, go to that dude's URL slash password. And that opens up their many chat flow whoa So it pops up in many chat and says so glad you wanted to find this password and join our group here's the password right but now you're on their many chat flow too um so you know it's a i thought it was good enough it, it passed my my morals i guess right and, and i know we're going to talk about that as your fourth podcast is marketing with morals i don't know if that falls in line with you or not but i thought that was a uh, very smart and and i've asked for the email before that was in a facebook group course i had years ago um And it it works sometimes, but it doesn't always work. And uh, I do want to be respectful. But at the same time, I want to talk to these people, right? And I want to own own them, right? And and I think emails are the owned place versus Facebook groups, which I do think someday you're going to have to pay for. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. I love this nerdy stuff though. Tell me more about your funnel here, because first off, let me shout out. Let me let me put a little shout out for Nick Coates there. I put out Nick Coates' episode, which is the BK Show episode number twenty three over Thanksgiving week, and no one listened to it. I thought people would have more time and they would listen to it, and it was one of the worst performing episodes I've had yet. The people who listened to it, which is about it was about I don't know sixty six percent of my normal listens. I got more people reaching out to me for that episode going, holy shit, this Nick guy is really smart. I got like 30 ideas from that. I got that from from his episode more than I have from any else. So if you haven't listened to episode number 23, uh, go into your Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you are right now and add episode 23 to your listen list because uh, that is by far one of the best podcasts I've ever done and, and all kudos to Nick. That dude is a genius.
1: Yeah, he is. I'm writing it down too. I'm going to go check it out. I like his voice too. He like kind of sounds like this. Like, hey, no, yeah, Corey, I totally understand little bit. I
0: don't like uh, he's awesome. And and he even went into like his partnerships that he built his agency around. So he brought in a bunch of people to run sections of his agency and gave them equity in their sections, right? So either to do creative or to do uh, uh, ads for them or, or different parts of his agency. And you know what he does, right? He, he's he's a rock star. And so, uh, yeah, if you get anything from that, listen towards the end when he talks about that. It's a genius idea of how he split out his <sighs> equity. Yeah, I got to figure that out.
1: Um. Okay, so then on Monday, kind of Monday, I do a a graphic designed education piece. So I've been, I've been testing out these, um, substitution things, right? Like instead of white rice, do brown rice. Why? Because it has protein and it has twice the fiber, right? Like people don't know that. And so that's something to think about. Uh, so it's kind of like a try this and skip that kind of thing. I'm trying that graphic. So that's going well. I also have like you know, visuals of like all the different types of plant-based milk. So I don't know, just info image on Mondays, Tuesdays. I have a podcast called the plant power dad hour. This kind of a subset of a uh, lean green dad podcast, which, um, you know, my buddy Gabriel, who's plant-based Gabriel, he's awesome. And so we're just two dads that are plant-based and we just talk about plant-based dad stuff. Um, and then I also do like some kind of little video. See, I go live on Facebook once a week, and then I'll rip that video down and edit it into like a sixty second kind of funny thing because i do I do weird quirky things like I don't know, like i I make weird sounds or like I do like a weird voice or something, and I always splice those together and I look like an insane person, but it's so it's so engaging. and I'm like, oh, cool, if I don't say so myself, right? Like I'm so engaging. but <laughs> but when i put them together it makes a good little video and so i kind of repost that you know wednesday thursday and friday i'm still working on i'm still working on cuz this is all fairly new but i'll probably go live you know on wednesdays um you know so that's that's kind of what i got going on i got a lot of a lot of blog post writing a lot of podcast posting you know and trying to keep it up at something with ig like i do you know, four or five stories a day. I'll post, you know, at least three IG reels, you know, per week. I'll do an IGTV a week, which IGTV is kind of meh. But reels, from what I hear, the algorithm al- algorithm is really favoring reels right now because they're trying to compete with TikTok. So, and native reels, like reels that you shoot
0: within IG not like just important, you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. You're so the opposite of me. You have the content side covered, like thinking about doing all of those things would stress me out. Right. Like I I don't understand how I've got a lot to talk about, but I, I hate being repetitive and I never realize I'm never reaching the same people unless they're your super fans. Um, but you seem like you have the whole content side figured out. Do you spend any time wondering how you're going to recoup that $11 CAC uh, and how long it takes someone to churn so that you know how many weeks you have them on there and how you're going yeah, uh, you know, to turn your L- LTV exponentially, yes. like how you yeah. create referrals. Like I don't know how you can do both of those things. I obsess about all of that stuff because the truth
1: is lean green data is a testing ground. It's a testing ground for my clients. We haven't even talked about my clients. Like it's been so lean green dad heavy, but like, so when I take when I take on a client, the first thing I do is a 20-minute discovery call, and I just have to listen. I want to listen because I'm trying to find out if they're the right fit for the agency. And if they don't know their numbers, by the way, they filled out an app, uh, I call it an application. I got to figure out a better word for it. But it, it essentially is a bunch of essential questions like, what is your um, hero skew? Uh, what is your profit margin, like in general, right? And what is, uh, what your ad spend right now? Uh, what does, uh, have you worked with an agency in the past, which is always yes. And why did it not work out? Like those kinds of things, right? And it's always, it's always the same thing. It's the complete opposite of like how my agency runs. Like they felt screwed because they didn't communicate with them or they could never see the ROI. Or what I love is when I hear, um CEOs say to me like well the agency we're working with is pretty good they have a great ROI and i was like oh cool how do they measure ROI and they're like oh well they submit reports to us and i was like that's awesome um you know what is the cost per acquisition and they'll be like well i don't really know that but i do know that we had an amazing reach and i'll be like oh god red flag okay so you're you're measuring your success on reach and they're like well, I think so. I'm like, "Well, how are you what are you doing?" They're like, "Oh, we're doing YouTube ads." Okay, cool. So, what is is the conversion tracking like? Is that in there? The right way are you measuring the actual conversion, which by the way, I don't know if you heard Ben, but about this iOS 14 update, like heard about this, right? I mean, the whole the whole nature of how we're doing everything has to go down to profit, gross profit, net profit. You know, you need to have the diverging lines of like freaking ad spend and gross profit. Like as long as they're diverging at this point, it's like, I mean, I have a pretty good idea of what's working and what what isn't by other key performance indicators. But for the most part, uh, the only thing that matters is revenue, right? Right. And so we have to look at revenue and growth over time, month over month, year over year, profitability analysis. I saved a company $36,000 a month last month because their shipping threshold was $39. Their hero skew was $39. And so 90% of the purchases were $39 and they were adding stuff to it. Don't get me wrong, order um, upsells, downsells, whatever. But in the end, they were paying 36,000 a month to ship this thing. And I was like... I'm going to do something. I'm going to raise shipping to 50 bucks for unlocking free shipping. Let's just see what happens, right? We're going to see a dip in conversions, okay? I'm sure. But I calculated that even if we saw a 25% dip in conversions, that we would still be extremely profitable and would still net more money. And then we could grow things maybe with new ad creative and stuff over time. Well, we maintained the CPA And the conversion percentage stayed the same and we added shipping to it. It was unbelievable and incredibly lucky. (laughs) I don't wanna, we changed the price on that product too from like 29 to 39. And again, the product is just so damn good that it didn't matter. Um, But those are the type of decisions. So going going back to like before someone, they have to be profitable. I had a company that I talked to that, Uh, try to be as general as possible, right? In case they listen, but they were selling a product in the supplement space. It costs like, let's say $24. um, And their net profit was $8. $8 on a $24 product in a supplement space. Not wonderful. Um, Well, I said, what was the lowest cost per acquisition you've ever had? And they said $8. And I'm like, I don't know if there's anything I can do for you, right? If your best ever CPA was eight bucks, we're going to have to dive really hard into this. Like, I don't know if we're going to get a CPA of four bucks and give you like 50% net profit. I, I don't know, right? And they're like, oh, well, there's upsells and downsells. I'm like, oh, cool. That's awesome. Like, how, what's the percentage of people that took the upsell? And they're like, ah, oh, about 20%, 20% of people. I'm like, okay, but you're still you're still net profit. Like you're not really making that much. Right. And so that's something that I wasn't, you know, willing to kind of take on at this point. I want to help. I want to help everybody, of course, but there's some folks that you got to make sure that the expectations are set from the beginning and you have conversations that are just based on profitability. There's some companies that I I jump into, they don't even have a COGS analysis. And even if they do have a COGS analysis, they're not taking things into account like labor, shipping. These are COGS. That is a COG. Labor and shipping. The person that puts the thing in the box costs money, whether it's a 3PL or a human being and you're doing it in-house, right? And so I think that that is what makes my agency different is like a lot of us, in the agency world, how cool and great content can be and get the client super excited about how cool and shiny and like, oh man, we got, we got all these like facilities and like, oh my God, I have a whole creative team. They're absolutely incredible. But they forget about the only thing that matters, which is profitability. And sometimes you have to tell a client Facebook ads aren't working for you right now. And so instead I'm going to invest, I'm going to switch the budget and I'm going to invest in Google remarketing and Google keyword search and maybe Google shopping, maybe some YouTube. I've never met a brand for me that like TikTok, Snapchat, like the younger generation, like I've, I've not taken a dive into those. I don't know anything about those, but we will say the things that other agencies won't say because they might not be in our best interest as an agency. They're in the client's best interest. And that's where marketing with morals comes from because I'll tell a client stuff, that is not going to may, maybe not be as financially for me but in the long run i measure my client relationships by the year not by the month and that's what matters to me and that's what makes me able to sleep at night is that i pay my people on my team really well i focus on my team members and their satisfaction happiness motivation and i focus on thinking a lot like the client themselves and it's funny too, because if you go for a couple of weeks without talking to a client, you're like, I'll bet you they're wondering what I'm doing right now. I'll bet you they're wondering like, what is C4 doing for me right now? Where's Corey's brain? Is he focusing on lean green dad shit? Or is he like really thinking about my business? And so I'll write an email to them or a message in Slack because we communicate in Slack. And I'll be like, I bet I know what you're thinking right now. You're probably thinking, what the hell is Corey doing? let me tell you and then i'll be like boom 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 not to prove that i'm doing stuff for them to let them know that i'm thinking about their brand right so man what a tangent but
0: <laughs> you're making all the transitions for me man i appreciate it i want you know i wanted to talk about c4 social i wanted to see you know what sets you apart how does your drama history help with this um which i think you touched on all of those things for me which is awesome but like i think Having audited many, many accounts uh, that are ran by agencies, I'm the most anti agency person I think you'll meet. Um, Yeah. Recently had to fire an agency that I gave a shot to. They were running my Amazon ads using a software that I can go purchase for relatively cheap. Um, They did okay, uh, but they're not great. And so I had to fire them, and, you know, I'm giving another person a shot. and then I audited an account from future guest Ben Katzman, um, who had OMG Commerce running his account. And I was blown away. I was like, holy shit, this actually looks good. It was the first account I've ever seen where I was impressed with their work. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm on a search for more agencies that do what you do. Who, who sits down and actually talks with the, the owner of the business and talks to them about what are their numbers? Most business owners just don't even know their numbers, right? And like you sitting down and describing, here's how the numbers work. Here's the numbers we're looking at. Here's the expectations we can set. And I think just being honest, especially on the Facebook side, that um, it's not a miracle. Uh, I play poker on Wednesday nights with a couple ad buyers who are thrilled with two to 2.5 ROAS, right? Yeah. Thrilled. Like, that's that's good. And, and so you're not running Facebook ads to make a profit. You're running Facebook ads to get a customer and get a lead so that you can continue serving that customer down the line, right? Uh, and hopefully break even in that process and um I don't Hopefully. think that's there's yeah. enough of that information out there.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard. I used to I used to lead conversations with ROAS. Oh, you know, our goal is a one ROAS in the first month, and then second month, a one point five, and third month, a two. I'm like, I'm so stupid for saying that stuff because I don't know. I don't know. And that's the other thing. Agencies, you don't know what's gonna work. You don't know what's gonna work. You gotta try a ton of different things. And here's the other thing is like understand, like spend their money. Like it's your money, spend their money. Like it's yours because you can't go blow $10,000 in the first month just to test and have a 0.34 return on ad spend. Right. You can't do that. So we spend responsibly, you know, it's hard because they're like, They want to just keep the ad spend the same. Everybody wants to keep their ad spend at 100 bucks a day and just grow the company from there. Well, you're not going to grow your company exponentially at the same ad spend over time. You have to keep growing the ad spend and scaling. The key word is scaling profitably. And here's the other thing. Just because you have an ad performing at a three return on ad spend, you're spending a buck, you're making three. It doesn't mean if you spend, you know, more You spend two bucks, you're going to make six. It just, it doesn't work like that. There's so many factors that have to come into consideration. Um, and you can't keep changing the variables. I have clients all the time. They're like, well, let's try this. Let's try this. Let's try this. I'm like, hold on. Let's just try switching one thing, one thing and give it 30 days and see what happens. Let's not change five things because then we're not going to know what worked and what didn't right. So That's the other conversation. Uh, I I don't know, man. I I had one client tell me that uh, their cogs were proprietary. I'm their marketing agency. They're paying me a retainer. They're grown 60% year over year, not joking. And they don't want to share their cogs with me because it's proprietary. I said, I don't need the ingredients. I don't need that. I don't need how you make your product. I need to know how much it costs you so I can make intelligent marketing decisions. And they just said, well, just assume everything's a 70% profit margin. Okay. All right. So I did, but I had to go into the cog sheet cause they were dinosaurs. Like they don't know how to work even a spreadsheet. So I had to go in and like, okay, the price, the retail price of this is that. All right, Cool. COGS, I guess. So their profit is this. All right, cool. Well, that's not going to work for a funnel, top of funnel, you know, to get them in. That's not a new customer acquisition play. All right, so the cost has to be $2.63. I have one client. I'm like, okay, $2.63. If I can get CPA here and I can get the product to be this, shipping's going to have to be 11 bucks. Would somebody pay 11 bucks for shipping on a free $8 product? probably not. Okay. Not a good funnel. Like this is where I spend my days. I spend my days in spreadsheets with my numbers guy, Jason, who doesn't give a shit about how pretty the ad is. Doesn't care at all. He only cares about profitability. He won't let me run an ad unless it's profitable. And we don't even know if it's profitable because the one thing that we don't know is cost per acquisition, which we have to get out there and test, but we know what it needs to be. We know if it's trending the wrong way, that we need to kill the ad or we need to stop pushing this product or whatever.
0: But I think I think too many people just care about the next sale and the next sale and the next sale, right? So, uh I can't name any companies or who this person is, but a good friend of mine one of uh their clients is one of the biggest like protein companies just fitness companies out there. Uh and they literally hand the money hand over fist and just say hey, break even on and every acquisition, right? Cuz their That's job nice. is on the back end. They they are very good at email. They are very good at taking care of their customer. And so, uh, again, much like a lot of business owners don't know their numbers, they don't they don't know what to do with anything besides get that sale and then go try to get another sale. And so that, that has to make your job hard. But you said the right things. You said almost like you're a fiduciary agency, right? Like spend the money like it's yours. I think that kind of transitions into what you said before the call, and I do want to discuss a little bit, is like how how can agencies participate in the upside? Because I think that's the, the downside there. To a lot of agencies is they'll, all right, this person has 10 clients. They can designate four hours, uh, for the month onto this client and you need to meet these metrics, which, you know, an agency I worked with in the past, they just continue to, um, reduce Ad spend, reduce hours of the day they were running it, reduce keywords they were going after because it wouldn't hit their metrics they were trying to hit, and then their metrics had to creep up slowly, right? And so it just got worse and worse over time. I think uh, a podcast that'll come out you know before this one with my uh, old partner Brian, we talked about this. Uh, it- I don't know. Agencies frustrate me for those reasons. And so how do you create a relationship where you can take some equity in a company so that you participate in the upside so that they know you have their best interest at all times. And it's not just a service-based business, which I think would help you sleep a little bit better at night.
1: Yeah, I agree. I ha- I'll i be honest. I haven't figured that out yet. It's, it's the evolution of my agency. Um, right now i kind of do one flat fee, um, based on the size of the business. Um, and, um, you know, we we do eighteen month projections uh, on growth before we even start work, and so each month we have a goal and we measure month over month. And so, where are we tracking on goal? You know, if we say we're projecting forty six percent growth for you, and we haven't hit our internal goals for the last three months, uh, we're going to need to adjust, you know, that goal and see if that's still something that you're jiving with because it might not be forty six, but maybe it's forty two. And for some companies, that's only a $10,000 difference. For some companies, that's $500,000. So you really need to ask and find out because the person that you're working with, your main contact, like their job is on the line based on what you're doing sometimes. Or like sometimes the CEO's damn retirement is on the line, right? And they put that pressure on you too. And it's like, whoo, I don't know if I could take that. you know. So it is something to think about. It is something I think about constantly. Um, I had a brand come to me that, loves what we do, you know, is recommended by, you know, my son's godfather. Like He's just like, hey man, you need to help these guys out. I'm like, yeah, cool. I don't know. They They can't afford an agency fee. So like, what do I do? Well, maybe I take part ownership in their company. All right. But that means I'm coming out of pocket for ad spend. All right. Well, do I believe in myself? Hell yeah, I do. If I spend my own money and I get to You know, two, three, four, one ad spend. Is that profitable? How long can I do that? You know, these are the questions that I'm trying to ask myself as I evolve as an agency and really try to make sure the motivation and the, not not even the motivation is the wrong word, right? Like we both have a vested interest in the company doing well. I don't ever want a client to think like, well, you know, if they don't grow or they don't do anything, doesn't matter to me. I'm still getting the same agency fee, right? Those are clients that are going to be here for two months. Then they're
0: gone. And you don't want that. Um and just thinking through your side, there is like a lot of things to think about there, right? Like you have to if you're gonna take equity, uh you're gonna buy in, you're gonna earn in, are you going to uh, you know in the contracts you have to just say you know, can the owner take everything as salary and never pay you? Is there gonna be distributions? When are distributions gonna occur? Is it yeah. is it a cash flow play for you? Or, you know, just thinking of my company, I'm actually searching for this right now. Maybe we should talk after the podcast. But I wanna I'm shooting for a, a very lofty goal. I want to exit for 20 million in three years. I think I, I'm on my way there. I think it's possible. Uh we're gonna have to move fast and we're gonna have to acquire customers at a rapid rate and take care of them in the back end. But you know, if there was somebody who could handle some of the media buying, I think that would be worth equity. Right. And they're going to, as long as they know my vision and they buy into my vision, then think we can get there. It's going to be fruitful for them in the end. Uh, and so it, that's things you're going to have to think about though. Is, is the company looking to exit in a few years? Is there distributions? Is this a cash flow play? Uh, I certainly, I don't think I would come in and throw my money at ad spend. I think that's uh, that's not a good idea.
1: Yeah, I know. But if they don't have anything, and they're just starting from scratch, what do you do? How do you acquire customers, right? Do you optimize organic? I mean, you know
0: how that's going to work. Tell Um, them to go hustle. That's what I would do. Be like, nice to know. Yeah, I'm here to support you. You need to go find your customers.
1: Yeah, yeah. But how, how do you find customers with no budget? How do you find customers with absolutely no money at all? You know, those are things that they're going to have to do gorilla style marketing. They're going to have yeah. to go to local markets and, you know, stuff like that and really
0: get out there. But pull out your iPhone and make videos, and ride keywords like there's a lot of free tools out there. TikTok has huge exposure. YouTube has huge exposure. There's there's ways for you to get in front of people and get your message heard. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. It's hustle, though. Sounds like you have a tough conversation ahead of you.
1: Well, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. We haven't signed <laughs> anything yet, so we're good.
0: Well, I like that idea. It's something again. I'm something I'm considering right now with this Pets brand is like, how do I bring in the right advisors who help shore up my weaknesses, such as like a, a re- someone you know very seasoned in business. I think would be a good advisor. Someone seasoned in Facebook ads, um, as that's just not something I've ever do- dove into deeply. Um, you know, and trying to find those right advisors or the right partner who can you know help scale us on on the media side. So uh, very interesting to something to think about.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think that I just, you know, got to keep learning. I don't want to. I don't want to pitch a deal like that to someone that I don't even know what I'm <laughs> talking about yet. Um, you know, because I got to talk more to Nick. Nick Coates, he knows what he's talking about.
0: Yeah, speaking of Nick, you should have him do. <laughs> you should have him do all of your your non-content side of Lean Green Dad. That guy would crush for you, man. Yeah, non-content. Whew. All right, we're running up against it. How can people get a hold of you? And then just real quick, you said uh, Marketing with Morals podcast coming soon. Tell me about it.
1: Marketing with Morals uh, is going to be a show that I'm starting with my friend Mike Shaw. Mike Shaw has been in... um the food industry for a long time. And he really values the the human to human connection. And so Mike and I are going to start this. He represents the old school. I represent the new school. Uh, he doesn't know much about digital marketing, but he sure knows a lot about customer relationships and building brands, um, worked with uh, and advised John Mackey on the sale to Amazon, you know, things like that. So he's, he's an awesome guy. Um, just, you know, honored to know him and, uh, really cool that he's going to come on board and do this with me. Uh, we have not even started recording yet, but I do think that we're going to batch record our first four episodes here in the next two weeks. And then, uh, you know, just get the feed out there on iTunes and, and do our thing iTunes. And of course, everywhere else, wherever you hear podcasts, but, um, just going to be us talking about old school, new school, and really, uh, taking, taking that customer relationship, that client relationship to the next level. Um, it's all about the relationship with my client for me. That's the most important thing to me and that's what makes us different. And so, um, yeah, as far as, as far as finding me, I mean, just c4 social.com is our website and that's probably the best way. Um, and then, you know, lean green dad, just at lean green dad or lean green dad.com. If you want to learn about eating a plant-based diet and see what I'm doing just for fun, testing things out. But, uh, but yeah, that's,
0: that's it, man. Sweet. Well, Look, your story's cool. I'm glad I actually got to hear a little bit more of it. Um, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Honored. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Corey for coming on the show. Definitely check him out at LeanGreenDad.com or you can check out his marketing agency, C4 Social. I'll put both those links in the show notes so you can follow that. A quick housekeeping note. I was on the Primed Mind podcast with Elliot Rowe. Elliot was a guest episode number five on the BK Show. If you want to learn about Elliot or go check out his podcast or his app, I put it as a bonus episode in in, uh, the BK Show podcast feed. So if you're a subscriber on Apple, on Stitcher, on wherever you subscribe to your podcast you'll likely see a bonus episode last week if you want to hear my story i've gotten a ton of great feedback on that so thanks so much for everyone listening and uh you know shouting out my own story it's oftentimes you don't you don't think anything you do is that special uh and you put it out there and you get told differently so thanks for all the feedback i was also a guest uh on john warren's e-commerce with john show believe that is on youtube and it's also in john warren's facebook group john warren was on episode six of this podcast if you want to check out john warren's episode or definitely uh, go check out his facebook group likely a link in that uh, episode as well so uh, definitely go check out both of those episodes go download the prime mind app uh, go join john's facebook group go sign up for my email list leave a review do all the things we appreciate everything i definitely do personally appreciate all of you who have reached out who have subscribed who have really given any feedback whatsoever. I appreciate all of you so, so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I can't wait to see all of you again next Wednesday.